Turn to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Let's start in the seventh verse. We're going to skip to the 11th and 12th, and then we're going to jump down to the 15th and 16th. It says, but to each one of us, meaning to believers, grace or God's ability uh, or an endowment was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now verse 11, and he gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Verse, the next verse says, verse 12, for or for the purpose of equipping the saints. Notice everybody in the body of Christ has been given a grace gift or an endowment. And then within that body, God has put gifts inside of people. That Some of those gifts are apostles, which literally means an ascent one. So somewhat of what we might call missionaries, though I don't think all missionaries qualify for that name right there. But I do believe some are. And some are not just missionaries. Some travel and start works and do different things like that. And then he said some are prophets. And that office is genuine, though it has been misconstrued and, and is for today. And, um, you know, in the Bible, in the, in the book of Revelation, just because you have excesses doesn't mean there isn't reality friend of mine, he's the, he runs all of in and out We went to school together. I remember we were talking one day, and, um, and he was just ter- telling me some different things about, you know, problems, things that they have and going on there. And uh, he, we came across the idea or the thing of counterfeiting. I said, yeah, it's interesting. They never counterfeit $3 bills there, do they? He said, no. I mean, if somebody came with a $3 bill to In-N-Out, what would you think if you were working there? If you took that, you deserve to be fired. Period. Just sorry, but you do. You don't counterfeit things with things that are not. You can't, a counterfeit is to make believe or to try to make you believe what that is matches something that is real, but it's not. In the, in the New Testament, we see in the book of Revelation where Jesus commended uh, certain churches for them being able to recognize those who said they were prophets or said they were apostles, but were not. Because there are some that are, and there are some that are not. And so he gave some to be apostles, sent ones, prophets, People who speak forth or declare certain things of the unseen spirit realm. And then he said, some evangelists, which we have seen very little of that real office, I think, or it's not emphasized or names are given to things. But if you don't know who a man named Reinhard Bonnke is, go look up, up online. He's a, a, uh, an evangelist to Africa, but there are other ones. They are people who really are do works like for soul winning. There are people like Greg Laurie in California who does these big crusades, and he's a pastor and an evangelist, and they see loads and loads of people get saved. And then there's the teacher, which is not necessarily a pastor, but a pastor, the Bible said, should be apt 
to teach. That means correctly breaking down the Word of God. And then there's a pastor, which literally means shepherd or overseer. And so he gave those for the purpose of what? Equipping the saints, the whole other group that has gifts from God, for the equipping of the saints, for, if you notice the word for is used twice there, for the equipping of the saints, it's actually used twice after, he said they've been given a gift, they have been given to the body of Christ for the equipping of saints, for the work of the ministry, for the purpose of the body of Christ being built up. In other words, it comes through the people. And then it says in verse 15, we'll skip down, but speaking the truth in love... Now, who's doing this speaking of the truth? It's these, well, it should be everybody, but particularly in the context, he's talking about people who are being thrown all over the place, these saints, and how they need certain truth to make them steady so they're not driven around by false doctrine. He said, so speaking the truth in love because that should be the driving force behind the truth. But speaking the truth in love, notice what it says, may grow up. You'd be spiritually equipped. He said you might grow up into him who is the head, Christ. Notice the next verse. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint, or literally part, supplies. And he's talking about the believers. By which every... I'm sorry, let me go back and read that again. By what every joint supplies, according to the effective working, by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying or literally building up of itself in love. So notice gifts are given to all believers. Some of the believers are called to certain offices that they grow and develop and are faithful. And then as they're faithful and develop, God will promote them into places and he'll put them into positions. And those people are to help build up the saints so that they can be effective in doing work and cause the church to grow. And that's basically what he was saying there. But what's interesting is, is there is a certain statement in there. He said, for the equipping of the saints. And then he says this, that they equip by speaking the truth in love. You know, the Bible said, faithful are the wounds of a friend. That doesn't mean get stabbed in the back by your friend, it means that there are some things that need to be said, and we live in a world, this person is not in our church, hasn't been in years, or a couple of years, but I remember uh, Pastor Linda was going to talk to this person, and uh, before Pastor Linda got to share, the person prefaced 
the whole conversation because this person needed to make some personal change, some serious personal changes. The first thing this person did, this lady was, was said, now don't say anything that offends me. Don't say anything that bothers me. I didn't know the whole society is turning that way. I thought that was just a lone wolf. And not to be mean, but you need to speak the truth in love, and it may hurt sometimes. Not because it's hurtful in itself, but I'm holding to something that is not appropriate. And it may rattle me a little bit to hear that I must forgive because God said, forgive. But if I'm not going to speak it because I don't want to offend you, then you're going to stay messed up. And there are just things people need to hear. And here's the thing. God deals with His people but I'm convinced that there are some people who hide out and they'll go to hear things or places so they can hear and not be bothered by God, but hear from God. It's amazing to me how many people leave, you know, on Sunday or I hear from them through email or whatever. Uh, man, I was there. And I knew God was speaking to me, had been dealing with me about that at home, and I came to church, and there it was again. Because God will get things across to us, and He'll speak things in love to help you. He is looking out for your betterment. So don't get the attitude, oh, well, I don't want to be offended, I don't want to be hurt. We, if you know me, I'm not going to say things to be hurtful. That's why he said, speaking the truth in love, in patience, in kindness, in long-suffering, staying with the truth. You know, it's interesting, one of the attributes of love is long-suffering. Right? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, you know, the, the truth that it's taught at Walmart, Kmart, Bed, Bath, and Beyond, because those verses are plastered on things you can buy there. One of them is long-suffering. One attribute of love and staying in love is long-suffering. means staying with something. But isn't it interesting? He said near the end of time, he said that some ministers will not continue and be long-suffering or stay with sound doctrine. Why is it important to stay with sound doctrine? Because it can mean the difference between how you grow in God and whether you are tossed to and fro or whether you are deceived. Because it is the very element, when we get there in Ephesians 6, by which you put up the shield of faith to stop the fiery darts of the wicked one that come against your life. Or accept those things as, well, maybe this is the will of God. Maybe this is the plan of God. But without the truth, there is no shield for you to put up against the enemy. It's how Jesus beat him. And that's how we're to beat him. 
And so he said, but speaking the truth in love. And I just have to be careful here because sometimes it bothers me how some people talk to people about the truth. And there is a proper way to build up the saints if they will listen and listen to God. But he said, but speaking the truth in love. Now he said, speaking the truth. Some, we know, he said, will not endure sound doctrine. People will not. Some ministers will not. But some people will not. Some people, the Bible said, will go find people to itch their own ears. It'll said they have itching ears, and they'll want to go hear somebody who itches their ear. You ever had a scratch or an itch in your back? Oh, nobody has. Well, have you ever had one on your leg then? Just trying to find out how many people I can identify, because if nobody's ever had one on their back, you guys are awesome. I have, and let me explain what I've experienced when, with that. You know, sometimes I'll go like this, and I'm good. But sometimes it's right in the middle. I'll work my way to a door jam. I've even done it in a conversation. I've been like, yeah, what are you saying? And I'm scratching my back. Because you want, when it itches, you want to scratch but, you know, to grow up, I didn't learn this real well, and I'm notoriously bad about this, even to tell today. And, and I know I need to be better, but I, when I get like a scab, oh, Lord. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, oh, I went too far, now it's bleeding. Ah, I just will do that, and I was notorious as a kid. But do you know that it takes some kind of discipline to not do that? And isn't it the tendency of kids to get after it? Quit, quit picking at that. Quit picking at that because it itches and you feel it and you want to peel it. And, um, you know, there's a truth about that that you have to grow to not itch, get that thing scratched. But where is this itch that people are having. It's way down in their ear. And your finger can't get in there. Only part way. They, you got to get some kind of weird truth in there to scratch that. And then the person is satisfied, and it's an itch that should not be scratched. Paul said it this way in Philippians as a minister. He said, it's not tedious for me to speak the same things to you. But he said, it's needful for you. So repeating truth is not a bad thing. Oh, well, we heard this last week. Let me just tell you, maybe for the next six, eight weeks or however many weeks, we're going to still be in Ephesians at the look of things. Somebody says, well, I heard this truth before. I already heard this before. You need to get that mentality out of your mind. Because if you need to hear something just flashy and new, you need to be careful. Because it's not something new unless you haven't ever heard it before. Meaning, but if it's 
fundamental in the Bible, you should be able to hear it again and again. Paul said, it's not tedious for me to hear these things or to say them again and again. He said, they're needful for you. Peter said similar things writing to the people. He said, I keep telling you these same things so that when I'm gone, you might have these in remembrance and be able to carry them out and live these things out. But what happens is people can tend toward wanting to hear something flashy and new. And so what do you have to do? To really grow in God, you've got to learn to hear the same thing. What is it that you're supposed to hear? Remember he said, speaking the truth in love. People, as they grow in God, can tend especially when they have a real strong hunger for the things of God. I got to hear, I got to hear, I got to hear. And you just have to be slow and consistent to stay with things. Don't just swallow everything that comes. Be slow about them and make sure they really line up with the Word. I've seen really good people just get off base and just have such a zeal for God, and they're just over here floundering, but they've held to this thing that has not brought anything to their life. And they think it's great, you know, whether it's warring against the devil, and they spend all their time fighting the devil. But you don't see that in the Bible, but we do know we wrestle against flesh and blood, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers the rulers of the darkness of this world. But when we're mistaught, people can emphasize things. They become no longer Jesus conscious. They become devil conscious. That's not appropriate. And it's not right. Because none of the teachers or the ones who were inspired to write the Bible were that way. But anyway, what did he say? Speaking the truth. Jesus said this in John 17, 17, you don't need to turn there, but he said, my word, you know, he said, sanctify them through your word. He said, your word or my word is truth. We need to understand this fact about the Bible. And it's amazing to me because this is super fundamental that the Bible or the words in the book are full of God's life. They're full of health. They're full of strength. They're full of all that God is there in this book. And that is a fact. And we'll look at some things. We know John uh, 6.63, Jesus said, The words that I speak to you are spirit and life. They're God's ability. They're powerful. And we're going to look at some other things, but I, uh, Scripture's about this, about them being health and strength. But somebody said, if they're really full of God's power and strength, then why do they not bring the same results that they always did if they're still the same? Well, I would say it like this. If you are a gun person, you don't even have to be a gun person. You remember when in school when they used to teach history? I don't know what they teach anymore. But when they taught about the redcoats are coming, today they maybe would have taught picket them. Back then they had a tea party and threw the junk in the, you know, for you know, outlandish taxation and stuff and 
they had a tea party, and that didn't mean, you know, I don't know how they'd interpret that today, the, a tea party. Uh, Boston Tea Party wasn't like, you know, going to Starbucks. Somebody's like, I'm totally confused, and what was it? It was their rebellion against some stuff. But the Redcoats, that wasn't the bad fashion people against the good fashion people. You know, and they didn't have any fashion sense. No, their military wore red coats. But they were armed with guns that we would call a musket or a muzzle loader. And so what they would do, we had them too. And we had our own army called Minutemen. You know, they had designed this so that we could act within a moment and they just were drawn up. But we should have taken the guns away from them because having guns in people is not good. And um, that was sarcasm. And so they say in order to be somebody in the British military, I, I believe it is, they had to load and be able to shoot every 15, you know, seconds. And that was bottom line. You say, well, what is this? Why, why are we talking about this? Because remember, his word is truth and his word is life. His word is power. Paul said it this way. He said the gospel is the power of God or God's ability. The power's in the word, but you can sleep on this and nothing will happen. But he said that, that his words are full of power. And he said it's the power of God that brings salvation, which is the Greek word means deliverance, healing, protection, preservation, and so on and some other things. And he said it's the power of God unto this to everyone who believes, and he said, as much as it's in Romans, the first chapter, he said, as much of this truth is in me is, I am then ready to preach the gospel to you. So he talked about this power, but he talked about it being in the word, then it needing to be inside of a person. So these guys were skilled, uh, these red coat guys were skilled at loading these guns with gunpowder and they pour it down the barrel, and they pack it down in, then they put a little metal ball there, and they shove it in there, and, you know, there's more to it than that, but pull the trigger with a little cap or blasting thing, I don't know exactly how they used it then, and then you fire, boom. But now, gunpowder in and of itself can do some damage, right? Yeah, some damage. But if you cut gunpowder with certain things and make it so it doesn't go off real fast, it acts different. But what if you just took gunpowder and sprinkled it around? Just sprinkled it around. Would you be able to shoot a bullet? No. What if you just barely had a little bit there? Would it even light? Maybe not. It might sparkle a little bit. You know, if you put a match or a flame to, to it. If you had a big stack of it, you know, when I was younger, I'm not promoting this for young people, but I had a problem with matches and scratching. And I liked matches. I liked things that burned. I remember one time, there's this 
my back in the day they dried flowers you know how they have these parties you know they're nothing new just get some ladies buying stuff some of the candle this or this well they had these dried flower parties and there was these ones with these big like like the things that get stuck in your socks you know the little foxtail things and they were long and my mom bought this really nice one and there's a candle next to it. Oh, man. And I thought, I remember having my blanket on me and uh, thinking, if I touch this thing, I wonder if you could get this thing to burn. I'll just put it right out. I touched that thing. It was about this wide. The flame went, foof, and went foof, to the ceiling like that. I went, whoa, and I just took the blanket and threw it over it, and then I lied to my mom. I said, the candle fell on that. <laughs> but I remember I would tear those Estes rockets apart, you know, and take the gunpowder out and put it in foil, and we'd light them and just make a big mushroom flame. And I remember one time we just couldn't get one to light, and so I opened it up, and I had two friends there, and I'm all, we just got to throw the matches in there. And I got one, or one of them got one while I was throwing, and the other guy was throwing, and that thing ignited, and it flashed. And I mean, it put like about an eight, ten-foot flame, just puff and cloud of smoke, like snap your finger. And he had no eyebrow and up his arm, and I'm like, foof. Well, somebody's like, oh, that's so neat, but that's gunpowder, but it's just making a flash. Nothing's really happening. When you leave, you go, woo, oh, that was exciting. But that was flashy. It was kind of wonderful for a second, but did it accomplish anything? Oh, we got our eyebrows burned. We got our arms burned. You know, when you go home to your mom, what happened to you? You turn this way so they only see the good eyebrow. <laughs> what? You with me? But if the word is powerful in itself, it can't just be sprinkled. It can't just go, oh, I heard that. That was wonderful. It's got to get in a person's heart. Because if it doesn't get in their heart, then the same results will not happen. There might be some sparkle. There might be some poof. Turn to uh, Proverbs 4. People can hear it, entertain it in their mind. But you really have to get reverent and respectful of God's Word for it to begin to work for you. And it needs to get to the same place that if Jesus was standing in front of you, so the Word of God should have that place in your life. That much respect, that much reverence, regardless of what other people think, regardless of what other people say, because it is what equips you to do God's work. It is what equips you to pray. It is what equips you to use authority. It is what equips you to live this life in God. But what is it that's equipping you? It's getting the real power that's here instead of having some sparkles when you're at church and going, that is the most sparkly thing I've ever experienced in my life. Why is it that on the 4th of July we only let kids use sparklers? It's when they get bigger, they get, you know, unless you're in India, 
I remember being in India and teaching in a Bible school, and I was there for a whole semester and went through some of their festivals. I was like, these guys got it going on. I mean, they have like fireworks that just blow our good ones away, and then there's beyond that. I'm thinking, kids have got to get their fingers blown off. Like, serious. I was like, there has to be. I mean, I didn't even know. I was like, why didn't I grow up here? Well, I'm grateful that I didn't. But, man, they had some stuff, some explosion. But it was when that gunpowder was packed in a certain way, and you don't just let little kids do that. You would teach them, I'm sure, I hope. Right? But there is... You let we let little kids use sparklers, and we would tell them, "Hey, you know," and you'd train them and teach them and stuff like that. What you want is you want to get this power in people's hearts, and there's a way to do it. Otherwise, it's just flash and pop and a little bit here and there, and you leave and you're blessed a little bit, but you really didn't get what God intended for you. And so to get it in your heart, it has to become something that begins to govern your thought life and begins to change the way you think. When the word is escaping from your heart, so it is escaping from your mind. In other words, we're not thinking in line with it. Well, you know, I'm just too busy. That is a lie. That is an excuse to get the word ripped out of your life because the results of it being in your heart are phenomenal. They're God if you can get it in there, and you can. Notice this in Proverbs 4, and there's so many different verses like this one, but we're going to read this, the just two verses, Proverbs 4.20, uh, actually three verses. He said in the 20th verse of Proverbs 4, My son, give attention to my words. Now we know without reading this so far, we've read verses or quoted verses that say his word is truth. So that means it's not a lie. We've, you know, John 6.63, it's spirit and it's life. There's real substance inside of his words. But until they're... In your heart, they're not going to do you the good that they should. And notice this. He said, my son, give attention to my words. In other words, look at them yourself. Begin to read the Bible yourself. Notice he said, the very next part, incline your ears to my sayings. What does it mean to incline your ear to something? It means do what it says. Put it as the highest. And then do it. Because I can hear, you know, you say, hey, go do this. I've listened, but until I do it, I haven't inclined my ear to it and said, all right, I'll go take out the trash. I'll go pick this up. So you can give attention to it, listen to it, but inclining your ear is when you get two opinions one says this, and the other says this. This is God's word. You incline your ear to that. You go, okay, I'm going to accept that. Because you have the choice of where you're going to incline your ear. Okay, this. 
The reason why people incline their ear to wrong things is many times they have been taught things that have built them up to incline to the wrong. And they'll say, well, this isn't for everybody, or that's not for everybody, or why should I have that? Why do I need that? And God said, you need it. But what has happened is religious traditions, religious ideas get in, and then people start leaning to it, and they incline their ear to that. And though you are tending to his word, you go, well, why do I need to be filled with the Spirit? Why? Well, that's just not for everybody. Because something is making you not incline your ear or accept what you're hearing. So he said, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to what I say. He said, do not let them depart from your eyes. In other words, think on them. Keep them in the midst of your own heart. You are the one who is supposed to think. You're the one who's to keep them in your own heart. What would happen if you got his words into your own heart? That would mean you're beginning to let them govern your thought life. Why would they not want to be in your own thought life? You know, there is an enemy who throws fiery darts. We'll say, that's not for you. That's not yours. Well, you're getting old. This just happens. He'll give you any number of reasons. Well, you just grew up in a bad neighborhood. Well, you just didn't have the breaks. <clears throat> Notice... He said, do not let, these are commandments to us, do not let them depart from your eyes. In other words, keep them in your mind and keep them in the midst of your heart. In other words, accept them. <clears throat> Notice verse 22, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh or most of their flesh, part of their flesh. He said to all their flesh. So, one translation says they are medicine to all their flesh. So there's ability in the word, but if you need strength, uh, spiritual strength, you just don't lay, lay this here or put it here. You've got to get these things in you. That's why he said speaking the truth in love would build you up. So you could bring your supply and put it into action. Why? Because there is inherent power in the word. And the way you get it in your heart is not arguing against it, but accepting it and beginning to think in line with it. Knowing the covenant that belongs to you. Knowing the truths that belong to you. Knowing that God has stuff for you and that if you will begin to think eventually, like Joshua 1.8, he said, meditate in my words. God gave him this command day and night that you may observe to do them. The reason why some people are not doing the word is they have not meditated or pondered enough in the word till it begins to dominate their thought life. He said, meditate in them, ponder them. That's what meditate means, to mull it over, to mutter it to yourself. Think deeply upon it. And he said that you may observe to do it. He said, for then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. 
He said, you will make your own way prosperous if you get the power of the word in you. And he tells you how to do it. So there's power already in the word. That's why we have to be careful to keep the first things first and the right things right in our lives. Because if wrong habits get in there, then they'll consume your thought life. There's nothing wrong with doing things. It's when they get out of whack and they start dominating your thinking, then something has to leave, and it's going to be the Word. Because the Bible talks about it being choked out by the cares and the things of this world. It's not that God hates those. They just need to be controlled so that you do them, but you do them in their place, and they don't have a preeminent place. No person, no thing should ever have this place in your life. No husband, no wife, Nobody, nothing, no job, no boyfriend, no girlfriend, nothing, no hobby. That doesn't mean you can't have those things. It just means they are always not first. Remember the promise? Seek first above all else the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. If God didn't want you successful in this walk and to prosper in this life, why did he give instructions on how to do it? That means he's for you. That means he wants this in your life. That means he intends for this ultimately in every believer's life. So should I pray, God, then bring it on? Because you know I'm busy. No, he said, listen, there is a book full of power. And if you throw a match on it, the only thing that's going to burn is the paper. But there is inherent power in every single word that if you get them in your heart, that is the first step to making them work for you. And he just told you, let them become the governing thing of your thought life and your thought process. You can function in life and do this, but you just become aware of what the priority is. Well, what is the priority? Somebody's like, lunch. No, that's after this. It's after this. That's second. It's always second. Jesus said, man shall not live by bologna sandwiches alone. Right? Bread alone. But every word that proceeds or by the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. Because there's an inherent power. But you'll never know the inherent power of these words and personally like you should. You might get sparkles and flashes, puffs of smoke, but you'll really never know them until they get in your own heart. And then watch out. I said, then watch out. Because it will change everything for you.